And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace alongside Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, joined for the first time this year by our good friend and now married. So he's just as miserable. I'm sorry, just as blessed as the rest of us. The one and only Josh Hammer. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for joining us. He'll be with us here in a few minutes for the Dace Group, your weekly look at the week that was. Next hour, we will get to some feedback Friday. Before we get to all of that, Constitution Wealth is the Patriots' choice in wealth management. So let me ask you something. Do you avoid shopping with businesses who offend your values? That can be difficult to do, but a lot of people in our audience try to do exactly that. So why invest your retirement funds in those same businesses when you could be aligning your investment money with your values? This is why you want Constitution Wealth. They can help you build a solid investment plan because you still have to retire someday provided this country lasts that long. Uh, They can reduce your investments in ESG, DEI, and CEI participation, as well as reducing your investments in gambling, pornography, abortion, anti-family policies, drugs, alcohol, etc. You can reduce your investments in woke corporations and in doing so, help to fight the culture war with your most powerful weapon, your money, and your voice. This is your opportunity to help build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. So work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values. Why work with anyone else? Go to constitutionwealth.com slash Steve and sign up for a free consultation today. That's constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. And with that, it is time for the day Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins, as it always does, with issue one, Bleep Lord Nefarious Says. And we need immigrants in this country. Forget the fact that the farm, that our, our, our vegetables would rot in the ground if it weren't, if they weren't being picked by many immigrants, many illegal immigrants. The fact is that the birth rate in this country is way below replacement level. I do see color because I believe if you don't see color, you can't see racism. Our children deserve better than to grow up in a country where an 18-year-old has easy access to a weapon that belongs on the battlefield, not in a classroom. Uh, Last year, 2023, which David referred to, was literally the most disruptive, climate disruptive, most climate consequential, negative year in human history. You cannot post the images yourself because you have to remember that in Canada, we have a presumption of innocence and posting that picture could be a violation of private life. Instead, he says if anything is stolen, call 911. If you get some proof that somebody might have stolen something, then call the police, give the proof to the police, and then we'll do the the investigation. We'll bring that person to justice and we'll file some charges. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate, It is disinformation and misinformation. 
followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Hello. I have been asked by the other system members to make a video and talk a bit about my lived experience. I am binary. I use it and he pronouns. And I am a robot or android of sorts. I am not human and I lack the ability to fully act human because since I spawned in this human body I have not been able to access the internet and download new ways of acting. Was that a bit? Because it's pretty good. I mean, was that a bit? That's pretty good. No? Don't think so. Who can tell? <laughs> Indeed. Who can tell? All right, let's get to the first question. Josh Hammer, as the guest, you get to go first. You were compelled to pray spontaneously for this country during what part of what you just saw? Well, Steve, I mean, that last part we saw is positively diabolical. I mean, that that felt like a, a thoroughly satanic video there on TikTok. I, you know, Steve, I, by the way, I'm proud to say I have actually never been to TikTok's website or the social media app, never downloaded. I want nothing whatsoever to do with that platform. But that that platform is clearly responsible for the brainwashing, the drug-inducing, the gender ideology infusing of so much of America's youth. It is a positively satanic creation, and I firmly believe that it should be fully banned in America, full stop, period, end of story. But I, I want to focus in a, on a comment that's a little less viscerally shocking, but I think gives kind of a deeper insight into the sick pathologies that afflict so much of America's bipartisan elite. And that was what we heard from Jerry Nadler to, to kind of lead off this whole this whole segment for this week, where he's talking there about how America's birth rate is low, and therefore we have a moral imperative or a demographic imperative, a national security imperative, however they want to phrase it to just import indiscriminately all throughout the world, you know, whether it's the Muslim world, whether it's sub-Saharan Africa, Australia, New Zealand, who, who cares at some point, you know, when, it, when it's purely based on numbers. This is a sick, sick ideology, and we are literally seeing how failed this ideology is in the aftermath of the pogrom in Israel on October 7th. We are literally seeing how sick this globalist open borders, you know, human beings are all interchangeable. Don't worry about religion. Don't worry about culture. Don't worry about values. We are seeing that in the open demonstrations of some of support for Hamas and various other forms of anti-Western Islamism and jihadism in the streets of America and the streets of Europe. We are literally living in real time right now in a world that is empirically disproving exactly what Jerry Nadler said. And it's doubly, it's doubly hypocritical. It's doubly disgusting. I'm I'd say for Jerry Nadler to say this kind of filth because, oh, by the way, he technically happens to be Jewish. So if you want, if you really want to go there, he really, really should know better. Essentially, he is saying since we allowed you to not replace yourselves, we're going to now replace you. That That's essentially what he is saying, right? I mean, we, we, we allowed you to not replace yourselves to take 60 some odd million of your offspring. You know, today's the March for Life. So we allowed you to take 60 some odd million of your offspring over the last 51 years. And, you know, now we're going to replace you. That That's basically what he's saying, Josh, right? 
Yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Look, I mean, it's it's no shocker that most of the Western world has plummeting birth rates. I think in America right now it's around 1.65 to 1.7 children per couple. That you know that's that's higher than some of our peers. You might say Japan is infamously low. They're around 1.1, 1.25. You know, in, in in Europe it's usually lower than that as well. There are some exceptions. Hungary and Poland are doing a little bit better than the others. There are really not that many Western-style countries that have a higher birth rate. Israel actually is one of them. They're around 3.1 to 3.2 or so. But the point, Steve, the point is that if you are worried about demographic decline, as I think a, a great power like the United States should be, certainly the Chinese Communist Party is terrified of their own demographic decline. I mean, who would have thought that the one-child policy over the course of 40, 50 years would have led them to this? But the point is, if you are concerned about declining demographics, focus on pro-natalist policies. Focus on trying to incentivize people to marry, to get married younger, to have more kids. There's all sorts of policies out there that might work. Hungary, which I mentioned, is actually doing a lot of them. There's been a lot of policies on the American right. Josh Hawley, actually Mitt Romney, who I'm not normally a fan of, he's actually, believe it or not, been somewhat of a leader when it comes to pro-family policy in the U.S. Senate. So there's good policies out there. Focus on that, not on just trying to import the third world. Hmm. Malthusian ethics, the laws of sowing and reaping remain undefeated. Todd. I want to get back to Nadler because that's where I was going to go. But first of all, Josh, I got to say, I'm a little disgusted by your lack of legal acumen on the whole TikTok is satanic and it's got to go because I am reliably told in the last couple of weeks that all the Satan worship has to stay if we want to worship the baby Jesus uh, and uh, and the menorah at holiday time. That's just how things go in the Iowa Capitol. You got to have the altar to Satan if you want to worship those things. Legal scholars have told me this, so I think you missed a memo or something in your elite legal land, Josh. I'm just, I'm trying to help you as a fellow brother here well his the the university he went to their mascot they are the blue devils yes huh? yes, yes. Okay. so there you go okay. yes yes um but nadler I, you guys nailed it but i was gonna go there here's the sick part of it the, not the replacement theory that that that's not right but everything he's talking about before that guys we just have to look that in the mirror he's right this is Jerry Nadler. It's, it's you know how disgusting it is that Jerry Nadler gets to call scoreboard on us, but he does because we are too comfortable. We are the people on, on the movie Wally. We don't want to replace ourselves. We don't want to do the work to do the fundamentals of life that make sure you have enough food. That's somebody else's job. We get to Netflix and chill. We get to have grown up lightsaber fights in the snow. We got all the games to watch. He's right. How did we get to the place where we let Jerry Nadler call scoreboard on us on anything? Now, his conclusions are all wrong. His motives for bringing it up are heinous. But this is the disgusting part. And that's why it's the worst in that whole damn thing. He's right. Aaron. Yeah, that's where I was going to go as well. So I'll try to focus on something uh, different. Uh, By the way. If you want a mini baby boom in this country, you better be cheering, cheering for Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift to get married and have kids. I think that would result in maybe a minor baby boom, but that's neither here nor there. Um, elsewhere in... So we've got to cheer for two people well into their 30s to get married and have babies. That's where we're at. That's where Small we are. victories, yeah. yep. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, let's go to... Let's go to the World Economic Forum. And that woman that you heard was 
Ursula, is it Vonderlin, I, I want to say something like that. Um, what she's talking about, misinformation and disinformation. That's the biggest problem for global business. Everyone knows. You would think that they would find some new euphemisms, but they're not. They're just going back to the old ones. Everyone knows that just means, hey, uh, what's going on on Twitter right now? Worth Twitter right now. Uh, we don't approve of that because we don't get to control and censor the narrative mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. Maybe they're starting to lose a little bit of zip on their fastball, but the globalists have got to start coming up with some better and newer euphemisms to kind of pull fast ones on us because I feel like these are getting tired and worn out. Oh, they'll keep working. Indeed. I mean, we have debunked it. It remains to, it remains to be seen how much of uh, Normie West has, uh, has debunked a bunch of this. We shall see. Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10... With one being the odds, Todd will be the next man to traipse through Dick Morris's home in his underwear. And 10 being the odds, lots of other men have traipsed through Dick Morris's home in their underwear. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Josh. Steve, I came here for the Lindsey Graham joke, and you guys stiffed me I, this week. I told you guys this was going to happen, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I did. We, 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 we made at the when we got to a point, you know when they, they filmed the sodomy video there in the congressional, in the Senate chamber at the end of last year? You remember this, okay? Yes. That same, isn't that same guy, film, didn't he film himself in the shower calling for Lindsey Graham? When, when, we, when that happened in the real we just decided, Josh, this thing has run. It's, has, it's, it, it is, pardon the expression, spent. It has run its course, Josh. There was nowhere else to go. Truth with Lindsey Graham is now stranger than fiction. And we just thought that it was time to, to bid adieu. And, um, you know, don't let the door hit you in the rear on the way out, if you know what I'm saying, Josh. Yeah. I, I, I unfortunately or sorry, I fortunately do not know what you're saying, I should say. Yes. Um, but but based on what I saw just there, Steve, going back to your question, I'll give it a nine point five. That video at the end was positively satanic. No doubt. Unless it's a bit. If it's a bit, it's really good. It's either funny or satanic. That, ooh. That might be a segment, guys. Funny. Satanic or not. <laughs> Todd, go ahead. Ten. Todd's at a ten. Aaron, where are you? I'm at a seven and a half. Aaron only had a seven and a half coming in with the optimism. Well done, Aaron. All right, let's get to issue two. What should Ron DeSantis do now? Monday night's Iowa caucus results were not what the DeSantis campaign was hoping for. Despite an historically robust on-the-ground operation in the first-in-the-nation state, the former president won the caucus with historic margins. DeSantis pressed on, however, campaigning in both New Hampshire and South Carolina this week. It's unclear what the campaign strategy is for DeSantis going forward, other than making sure Nikki Haley is politically unviable as a running mate for the former president. All right, so I, I, I chose this topic specifically because um, there's a lot of um, disparate opinion within people I know that backed the, the Florida governor for president on what should happen next. And I just felt like I wouldn't be doing my job if we didn't broach that topic here on the show. Um, so let's, let's do it. Let's, let's fire up the clash from back in the day. Should he stay or should he go now? If you were advising Ron DeSantis, would you urge him to stay in and fight? Or would you urge him to drop out now and live to fight another day? Aaron, I'll go to you first this time. 
You know, listen, I don't mind. I, I don't think that there's much of a mathematical um, path for him, especially if if the state that he spent the most time in invested the most in, and uh, you uh, you know you lost by thirty points. I'm not sure necessarily how you reverse that narrative going forward. However, having said that, we do expect this year to be very, very volatile. You're also talking about a front runner who is a guy who's uh, going to be pressing 80 before, you know, before too long. Um, and he's facing myriad legal issues, as has been well documented. And we've had Josh on the show before to, to go through all of those. It's a very volatile time. So if he wants to stay in and kind of do a shell campaign all the way to the nomination, go ahead and do that. Just don't, um, you know, don't uh, don't hurt your favorables as much as you possibly can in the process. That's kind of what I'm concerned about. And you've expressed the same thing as well um, uh, various times, Steve. So I'm I'm totally fine if he wants to stay in. Um, if he wants to run kind of a shell campaign as long as he possibly can, I'm fine with that. If he drops out and just says, hey, live to fight another day, I'm good with that as well. Uh, just whatever you do, do not light yourself on fire going out the door. Todd. Well, don't light yourself on fire on purpose, that's for sure. But don't, don't do anything because of the good of the party. Uh, don't do anything necessarily because of what may happen legally and stepping in that breach. And I don't, I don't, I don't even agree with the favorables part. Like what you went to all 99 counties in Iowa and Iowa evangelicals told you to stick it where the sun don't shine by a measure of two to one. You don't know that anybody, anything, man, I, you, you have been the model of what we don't deserve. You do what you think is best for your family and then by uh, the state of Florida because you are still the sitting governor there. Those are your two considerations. Josh, I'm forgive me, I forgot to mention at the top, editor at Newsweek, you actually wrote about this today at Newsweek. What do you think as someone who also supported the governor for president? You know, Steve, it's a painful conversation. I mean, it's a, it, this is not something I look forward to discussing with you guys. It was frankly not a column that I look forward to writing. Look, I I moved to Florida in 2021 largely due to Ron DeSantis, largely due to his policies in the state, largely due to his leadership of, of this state, of his making Florida a, a refuge for the sane amidst a time of positive insanity, fighting back against the woke agenda, fiscal prudence. I mean, I, I could go on and on and on about his accomplishments, about his stewardship of our state. I, I, I just don't see it. I, I just do not see it. I mean, he was obviously all in in Iowa, did the full grass league. He had Kim Reynolds, Bob Vanderplatz. Um, he, he had your very enthusiastic support, Steve. I just don't see. I mean, I'm, the polls in New Hampshire have him around six percent. Was the poll I just saw this morning? Haley is probably going to get wild there, but Ron is way far behind. And you know, as the Floridian on this panel, I mean, we just started our legislative session here about a week, week and a half ago or so. It's, it's about to fire in, into full gear. I think the best thing to do for Ron DeSantis is would be to come home, focus on guiding us through a, another super dynamic legislative session, the likes of which he has successfully done for the past two, three, four years or so. He's been absolutely crushing it here at home. Go back home, find your swagger again, get some more political capital, because if you want to run for president again in the future, it's probably not going to happen this time. If you want to run, run again in the future, there's really nothing to be said, I think, for these very distant third place finishes, as the polls now suggest is coming up. All right. So, Todd, you nodded your head a lot while Josh talked. Yeah. All right. So tell me why. Because well, just, you, I mean, you were pretty non-committal until you heard what Josh laid out. But now no, you, I said the only two considerations are your family and being the governor of Florida. And then he added 
all the value added to the governor of Florida. But yeah, you go right back. Look at the contrast he just set up. You go right back and you just slay in that legislative session again in Florida as opposed to third place finish after third place finish. And just remind everybody, I was right there, literally. You could have taken me. You didn't. I Again, peop, the, the, people want the show. They they deeply want it. The the ignorance I saw at my own Iowa caucus and others, what I'm seeing out of the Iowa evangelical community. I just asked Steve beforehand. It's not that I don't have a Catholic statistic. I'm curious to know. But like what they they want forget the cheese it versus steak thing, Steve. They want garbage. They want porn. That's what they want. Ron DeSantis, don't try to tip to the raindrops on this. Don't even not even for the reasons why he might be in legal jeopardy. However, this thing collapses on itself. None of it will be your fault. All right. So all two and a half of you, Aaron, you seem to be nonplussed, but it sounds like maybe you might lean. You're okay if he stays in, but you might lean to him not staying in. Is that accurate? All right. Just the only thing I care about is don't light yourself on fire. That's really the only thing. So fair that two and a half of you think for very, for your own various reasons, he'd be best off getting out of this race. That's what two and a half of you think. Is that fair? I think that's probably true. Okay. With that being said, then since all three of you are somewhat on the same side, just to play devil's advocate here, this is the argument I hear from those within my own internal DeSantis network of contacts for why they think he should stay in. All right. It's not hurting your favorables right now. Um, it is a volatile process. We do have a nominee with 91 felony indictments. And if there were ever an issue where he would have to leave the race, I think we all know the party is not going to come out with anybody. Uh, it's going to come out with somebody who looks, well, maybe not after the news of Nikki Haley today. We'll get to that in a minute. But somebody that looks more like her than looks like more than, than looks like you and Trump. Um, and then it also may build, you know, an opportunity to, for networks and relationships in these early states, uh, you know, to get, a, to get a head start on them for four years from now that those are the arguments that that i hear within my internal desantis network for those from those who think that he ought to stay in do you find any of those persuasive any of you at on any level at all no not uh, not the favorables not the legal arguments i mean i've heard people talk about uh, the experts again reasonable experts uh, desantis's problem what is what was that he tried to be too trump-like DeSantis's problem that he wasn't Trump-like enough. I mean, it's all been out there. You guys, it, 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 this guy was more substantive than any Republican. Josh laid it out. I'm just repeating what he said. Okay. And no, it wasn't good enough for anybody. Okay. Basically, none of those, no, uh, those arguments. You don't find them compelling? I don't find them compelling. Here's something everyone needs to understand. Nothing. Nothing that happens right now between now and Super Tuesday has any impact whatsoever on 2028. If Ron DeSantis wants to win again in 2028, he's going to face the very same conditions that he faced this go around. The names might not be Trump. It might be. It might be Trump Jr. That the same conditions, the same problems, the same illnesses on the right, he's going to have to face those again in 2028. None of this networking on the grant, that's not going to have any impact on 2028 whatsoever. All right, Josh, I hear you. I'm get, you since given what you wrote, you don't find any of those arguments compelling, well, I'm guessing. So the, le- the legal stuff is the most interesting point, but here's the, the rebuttal to that. The rebuttal to that is that nothing is going to happen to Trump legally between now and the convention in July. So I, I just don't really see the point of running this kind of 
uh, I'm not sure if we're, if we're allowed to say half ass, but this half ass campaign basically yeah. is kind of what Aaron has, has floated out there. I, I just don't see the point of that based on that timeline. If Trump's going to ultimately end up in jail, which is probably not going to happen this particular calendar year, maybe if he loses, I guess we'll see in the future. But I don't think it's going to happen this year. But regardless, that would happen after the convention. So I don't really see what the point is. All right. I, I'm going to switch up the exit question because we had breaking news today. And in the interest of full disclosure, I heard about this last year from an excellent source. But given the sensitive nature of it and, um, and and that, frankly, I just never took her seriously as a candidate. So I didn't think it was worth trying to confirm or second. And it's not necessarily the kind of story we would confirm and get involved in on the show anyway. But there is breaking news today with Nikki Haley. Multiple men have come forward to say they had affairs with Nikki Haley um, while she was in state government before she became governor, that it was an open secret. People knew. I mean, I was I was told this last year by somebody who would know. Uh, and um, uh, and now they've signed they've they've they've, they've each signed sworn affidavits uh, that this is true. Um, and it's uh, is it the Daily Mail that uh, has the yes. story uh, on this today? Okay, so thoughts on that? I mean, so we're not we're talking allegations now that are probably what eight to ten years old, given how long ago she was governor. So thoughts on that dropping? the Friday before the New Hampshire primary comes up on Tuesday and what, if any impact it has, I mean, I, I you know, you'll, you'll see in, in my prediction later, I, I, I didn't think she had much of a chance to win Tuesday anyway, but we're really talking about her nationally more as a running mate. Joe Lieberman was on Fox today saying that uh, she would be somebody they'd look at for, you know, this uh, unity effort that they're trying to mount. Okay. Uh, this mean anything whatsoever other than yet another what in the hell goes on in South Carolina from Jeff Duncan to Mark Sanford to Lindsey Graham to Tim Scott's girlfriend from another school and Nikki? What in the world goes on there? I mean, that state is something else, man. Something else. Okay. But any thoughts on this at all? We got three minutes and what impact this news may make. I guess. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead, Josh. No. No, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure really that it's much of a game changer, to be honest with you. I mean, Steve, I, I have a long enough memory to remember it was around March of 2016 or so, if I recall, where the, where Roger Stone planted that story with the National Enquirer about Ted Cruz sleeping with some of his staffers. And, and sleeping oh, with was, Trump's it, own spokeswoman, Katrina Pearson, actually, at the time. Right. Yeah, that was true. Yeah, that, they true. actually tried. They actually tried to implicate Trump's own spokeswoman to nail d- Ted Cruz. Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I totally, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty jaded and cynical when it comes to this stuff. I, I'm definitely not going to bash the Daily Mail. I've actually written for the Daily Mail a bunch. I love the Daily Mail. But, you know, I mean, I would like to see some sort of corroboration. The timing seems very suspicious. Look, I'm, I am not a Nikki Haley fan. In fact, in my column that came out this morning, I, I explained that my intense antipathy, you might say, for Nikki Haley is actually one of my reasons for why I think DeSantis probably should drop out, because then his voters would probably go more to Trump than to Haley. I, I am so dead said against Haley becoming the nominee that I think, you know, at that point, I'd rather just make sure that it's Trump if that becomes the binary option. So I don't necessarily think that this is going to affect the vote one way or the other. She's probably going to get blown out in New Hampshire. She's going to get blown out in South Carolina, if God forbid it lasts that long. But I, I, do, I do not think highly of Nikki Haley, and certainly this does not elevate my opinion of her. Either of the two of you think this has any bearing, means anything, well, other than embarrassment, obviously, for her family, which is terrible, but... But it proves to me that she is a threat on some level to 
you know, whether it's be that she's getting too close to being nominated as uh, the vice president or the system is absolutely ready to weaponize her again. On some level, she's a threat uh, to somebody. Um, uh, so I, I, there's that. Secondly, I think I'm fascinated to see how she reacts to this because she's pretty craven. What can it? What if she goes full Nancy Mace? I mean, yeah, I, mean I was about to say there, Nancy she's Mace. She's done Romney-like <laughs> flip-flops in this in this race. I mean, just shamelessly. Yeah, yeah Nancy ahead. Mace's uh, presidential aspirations are hardest hit. That's the lesson here. Yeah, I, when I when I ran down the 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 list of uh, uh, the Bleak House procession of South Carolina politicians, yeah. how did I forget the most shameless of them all currently? And Nancy Mace, <laughs> Madam President, to you, by the way, on the on the trajectory that that she is on. Is it, um, yes. Show of hands. Is it more likely that this helps her or hurts her? I don't honestly know, <laughs> and none of us do. Show of hands. I'm going to give you a shrug. I... Here's what I think it is, and I you know it, it's. It, you, uh, Josh, implicate, you know, invoking the uh, uh, the Roger Stone attempt in the National Enquirer to link Ted Cruz as if, if, dude, if he had that kind of charisma, we would have beaten Donald Trump, Josh. OK, I mean, if he had the ability to woo all those ladies, we, we probably would have won that nomination. On one hand, Ted Cruz is a stoic intellectual. On the other hand, he is able to tap every hot woman around him that move, that, that <laughs> breeds in his proximity to th- those things cannot be tr- mutually true. Pick one. OK. But that that could very well be a warning to Nikki Haley. You have outlived your usefulness and uh, you, too, are uppity and about to get the Vivek treatment, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, order 66. You know, this is this is order 65. Okay, order 66 could be issued next if you don't shut your hole and know your role here in the process. That could be the case for sure. All right. We'll come back and uh, we'll continue the day's group and a rift on the right developed this week. Speaking of Vivek over humor and satire and we'll discuss that next we are at a tipping point in america with 400,000 children in the u.s foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family christians must step up this is jack graham senior pastor at prestonwood baptist church inviting you to chosen a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at prestonwood.org chosen. You know, life is already stressful enough as it is without adding chronic pain to the mix. If you're someone who suffers from chronic pain, you know exactly what I mean. Wouldn't it be great if there were something you could take that could maybe ease that burden, something that worked, but didn't leave you feeling drowsy or even loopy like a lot of today's pain meds do? Well, there might be. It's called Relief Factor, and it's helped millions of people in their daily lives by getting them out of the pain. Relief Factor is a daily supplement that helps your body fight pain by fighting inflammation. It's 100% drug-free, and it was developed by doctors to help reduce or eliminate 
pain. Over a million people have tried Relief Factor's Quick Start Kit. 70% of them have gone on to stick with the company long-term because of the results they saw from this product in three weeks or less. What do you have to lose for 20 bucks, 1995 to see if you don't see the kinds of results that you've been hoping for where your chronic pain is concerned as well? Uh, just go to relieffactor.com. Try the three-week quick start today at relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com uh, or 800, the number four relief, 800, the number four relief or relieffactor.com. All right, let's welcome back in the editor at Newsweek, our good friend Josh Hammer, as we march on with our weekly look at the week that was. Let's go to issue three. Did the Babylon Bee go too far? The Babylon Bee rankled a lot of people's feathers this week after posting the following satirical story. Trump promises Vivek an administration position running the White House 7-Eleven. The story was published after Ramaswamy dropped out of the GOP primary race and endorsed the former president. Many were upset with the bee, like these individuals on X. Mazemore said, since Biden is the one who made the comment, the joke should have been something with him in it. Then it would have been funny. Nick Dumitru says, I like the bee, but this was kind of in poor taste. Nick Adams says, this isn't funny. A really poor attempt at a joke. All right, let's discuss. Because, you know, we like accountability on this show. We, you know, the biblical worldview says be careful about the, the log in your own eye before you, you know, c- criticize the speck of dust in your brother's judgment begins in the, the house of God, right? You know, accountability and within a biblical worldview is an inside out mechanism. All right. So with that established, did the Babylon Bee go too far here? Todd, this time I get to start with you. No, I, I don't think so. I, I think uh, they must have been very, very aware when they did this of how pathetic it looked when Hank Azaria, the Simpsons voice of Apu, after banking, you know, however much money he made doing that. Yeah. Ultimately came out groveling not very long ago, a couple of years ago. Say, I really, I'm really sorry. I've been doing this uh, the whole time. Like, I mean, and by like, he's been doing that for Steve. That's that show's been on since you and I were in middle school. Okay, I know, he's I know. been doing this for a very long time, and now I've really come to understand. It's pathetic. After I've made seven figures, now I and and, and my the future and every yeah. uh, future Azaria on the horizons yeah. futures are secure. I now understand just how offensive yeah. what I made all that money really uh, how offensive it really is. Yes. So that's. The, Apu was everybody right left we all love the Simpsons we love the thank you come again and now one time one joke from this and we, oh gosh I really need to focus on my inner child and say, no stop this stupid stop falling for it all the time Josh I'm going to go to you last because I can knowing what you think of a vague I can probably guess what your opinion is it's probably the most anticlimactic one so Aaron you're next yeah it probably didn't go far enough actually in, in my estimation let's just be honest <laughs> of the right-wing outrage over this came from people who either cheered on or didn't mind the meatball DeSantis moniker that Donald Trump gave to Ron DeSantis. That's what this is. It's just butthurt. And uh, Todd actually brought this up off the air earlier this week uh, about some sort of Mormon joke that the Babylon Bee did a few years ago. Got people so pissed off. Satire, satire is well and good. Until it pisses off a group of people uh, that I'm uh, partial to Mm -hmm. or pisses off a person that I'm partial to. Okay, there are a lot of snowflakes on the right as well. 
this is just another indication, another example of that, some of the outrage that we saw. That one tweet from uh, Nick Adams, alpha male. This is a really poor attempt yeah, at a joke. Nothing says alpha male like, you went too far. This is a really poor attempt at a joke, but everybody's freaking out too much. That's a contradictory statement. <laughs> you know, everybody needs to stop freaking out, but there's a really poor attempt at a joke. It's just stupid. What I do think it, it does show, and I, I said this during when we had the the pinnacle of censorship of, on, on social media uh, at, the, at the end of the Trump years and the beginning at the beginning of the Biden term. This is why the Babylon Bee is so dangerous. It's it's because it will do this to its own side. It, it, that that it that it it's not just and this is why it's so effective. It's it. Yes, it does a great job exposing the humorlessness of the left. Okay, and uh, you know, living out something I've said on the show many times, quoting the old Irish Catholic uh, saying that what the devil hates the most is to be mocked, right? But the fact that it will it, that it understands that the word is a double-edged sword, and it will do that to its own side. And I mean, that's kind I mean, of, it's done this to evangelical yes, tropes and stereotypes. I mean, every every other singular, absolutely every evangelical subculture you can think of, home homeschooling, anything you want to think of, kind of your check your box. Am I am I officially a part of the evangelical subculture? Over the years, it has absolutely ruthlessly parodied those things, and and I think its willingness to maintain its prophetic objectivity is why it is so darn effective. Josh, what do you think? Uh, I am shocked. I am genuinely shocked that this has gotten the attention that it's got. I mean, the Babylon Bee takes a lot of shots. I mean, like, they, you know, they are pretty much an equal opportunity offender. Mm-hmm. They take shots at everyone, left, right, center, no matter what your religion, skin color, ethnicity or whatever is. Um, I, I, a lot of this manufactured outrage, as as Aaron heavily intimated, is coming from a certain segment of the right that is very pro-Vivek for the very simple reason that Vivek has been running as a Trump stooge for the past year. And that is where all this is coming from. You know, Vivek obviously bowed out on Monday evening. He immediately endorsed DeSantis. And now the folks are assuming he endorsed Trump. And now the folks who were happy that he immediately endorsed Trump are coming out and flying their arms in the air. Look, I, I, what is I, I just don't see the problem. And, you know, Seth Dillon, who who I he lives here in Florida as well. I know Seth personally a bit. I think very highly of him. I, I, th- th- there was this perception. He's one of the mucky he, mucks at the Babylon Bee for people that don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he runs the Bee. I mean, there was this perception that he has been in the DeSantis camp for a very long time. I'm not entirely sure where exactly that 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 is coming from. I've never had a conversation with Seth where I can necessarily deduce whether he is firmly in one camp or the other. He definitely is a right of center guy there. But again, he had he had a spat with Gavin Wax, I think, or, or at some points earlier last year. And then there was this perception, oh, Seth and the Babylon Bee are obviously in the DeSantis camp. So this is just total political nonsense, guys. Satire is satire. It's funny. I'm Jewish. I don't care if the Babylon Bee makes fun of the Jews on a similar stereotype. That's what makes it all funny. And that's what all makes it fun in games. Is it possible that the reason this stung is they basically made Vivek the Chris Christie of 2016? I mean, if you go if you go back to when Chris Christie dropped out and endorsed Trump, 
and the memes that were created. Do you remember the videos? Hello, darkness, my old friend. Remember all those videos with Chris Christie standing behind Trump at, when, when Trump is like raving and ranting about something and the close-up looks of Christie where he's like, what is he talking about? What is this? What are we, what are we doing here? Do you guys remember all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And all the legends, which unfortunately turned out to not be true, which greatly disappointed me because I needed it to be, uh, that you know, uh, Trump had so reduced Christie to ash that he was left to go get Trump's McNuggets and fries at midnight to make his Mickey D runs. Do you know what I'm saying? That in some respects did the B, especially if you looked at how you want to talk about the leader in the clubhouse for most socially awkward photo op is Vivek and, and Trump is literally like, get off me. Okay. I mean, he's like trying to hug him, maybe kiss him on the cheek. Have you guys seen this that yeah. when they endorse him? I mean, and Trump is like, yeah, whatever, dude, we're done. I've, yeah, you know, here's your jelly. Here's your jelly bean breath mint. Get the hell out of here. Okay. And is it because they essentially have made him the Christie of 2016 with this, that he's a he's a tool of mockery? And, you know, they, that what would be what would be the most demeaning thing Trump could do to Christie? Have the fat guy go get him stuff at a fast food joint at midnight. Right. What's the most demeaning thing that Trump could do to Vivek? Have the have the have the Indian guy live up to the stereotype of running the 7-Eleven. You see what I'm see where I'm going with this? That they tapped into a zeitgeist there that hurts Vivek from a future branding standpoint on the right. Am branding, I, branding. Yes. Yep. That's what I'm thinking it is. Uh, and I think you're probably on to something there because Vivek. Um, some of it was earned. Some of it was just. You know, that was kind of his personality. But I think he got a lot of people in that orbit, a lot of clicks this cycle. Yeah. And if you hurt that branding by saying, hey, this is a fearless millennial uh, patriot. If you hurt that branding whatsoever, guess what you're not going to get more of or as many of those clicks. That that engagement you're looking for. I think you're on to something. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, let me toss something out, actually. So you, you guys are in Iowa. I'm not. But from from my understanding as to the campaign or you know quasi campaign that Vivek ran in that state, he, he talked about God and religion a lot. But he specifically talked about a monotheistic conception of God. And now Vivek is Hindu. And, you know, I am not a, a theology expert at all, especially when it comes to Hinduism. I am very far from that. But you know, I actually learned for the very first time this cycle that apparently there was a monotheistic strand within Hinduism that that genuinely was was news to me. But regardless, you know, him talking so much about capital G God in, in a monotheistic sense, I think caused a lot of people to be like, hmm, you know, and, and like ask some kind of interesting question. So maybe from that perspective, the Babylon Bee running this is kind of just like a visceral kind of shock, like, oh, wow, wow he like actually is like an Indian guy as well there. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I say that, you know, I, again, like I didn't think it was offensive. I mean, like I, I like you guys, I have a pl- tons of Indian friends. Like it's all fun and games, whatever. But I'm just, I'm speculating. Maybe that's what caused some people to kind of leap out of their seats was this disconnect between his heavily, you know, fairly almost Christian, frankly, talking about God on the campaign trail, and then this kind of visceral reminder from Seth Dillon in the Babylon Bee game. Hmm. I haven't thought about that either. Todd, you get the last word on this. It's just a reminder that the Michael Scott of American politics, Donald Trump, keeps kicking our bleep. That's what this is. You know, there's that great episode early on in that series. It might have been the very first episode where Michael Scott makes them all have cards of other yeah. races on their heart. Yeah. And then he goes up and starts <laughs> making noises to Kelly Kapoor and she slaps him across the face. And everybody realizes this is where I work. That's what that joke reminded everybody. Yes, this is where you live. It's that absurd. It's that on the nose. Donald Trump would have laughed. He, he would say, I wish I wrote that joke. That's so funny. That's it. That's a great analogy. Issue four. Yep. 
Oh, exit question. In all seriousness, what do you each think Vivek Ramaswamy is doing 12 months from now, Todd? I can't be serious about that. You know what I thought about from the beginning. I've told, I just think this guy isn't serious. I can't believe I already said it, so I, I can't be serious about that. Aaron. TCM. Turner what Classic Movies? No. Tucker Carlson Network. Oh, uh, oh, and as a Nancy, I thought you said M as in Mary. All right, TCN, that he's, uh, the, the, I could, that I could absolutely see that. You bet. Josh. I, I think Aaron nailed it, but yeah. I will say on, to, on top of that, he will probably in, be investing in his next pump and dump scheme when it comes to biotech investing that the SEC should probably investigate for some sort of, of consumer. There it is. Uh, I nice. thought we were going to get out of here without one pot shot at Vivek by Josh, and I was frankly going to be disappointed. But if you had that on your bingo card... Back on you, the pharma gravy that's train. Right. Nice. Meet us back on the yes. menu. Indeed. All right. Let's get to our kicker topic. Issue four. Who on the right would you like to see the Babylon be savage next and why? Josh. I, I, I mean, it's got to be. I, there's a lot of possibilities here. I, I mean, I kind of forgot that Asa Hutchinson ran for president of the United States. He literally got, what, two to three hundred votes, I think. My oldest daughter was sending me updates the last two weeks of the Iowa. She was just fascinated. Anastasia was that Asa is still out there doing events at bowling alleys right. and no one's coming. You know, he literally dropped out after Vivek dropped out. Right. I mean, I, 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 no one knows why he ran. No one knows for what purpose. He's an older guy. He's soft-spoken. He's probably not trying to get a cable news deal. I have no idea what the purpose of this was. I would like to see the Babylon Bee go after him. That would almost be too ruthless, man. Almost like, has he not suffered enough? Aaron, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Doug Burgum's eyebrows. Yeah, what's going on with that? I mean, that's his eyebrows are kind of their own entity. So why not? Nice. Todd, for all the reasons you said before, and you keep bringing up evangelicals, broadly speaking, but after what we just saw in the last month, Iowa evangelicals. I mean, the big winners on their watch the last month are altars to Satan and Donald Trump. Listen, ease, ease back a little bit. No. We, we also had a 10-point drop in turnout. All right, so... And being afraid of the weather. The fewest amount of us have ever, that ever, it was the fewest amount of us that ever showed up in an Iowa caucus. And we argue with each other about whether a satanic altar should be in the state capitol. All right. You're right. All right. Let's get to, um, let's get to our predictions. Aaron, go ahead. Only one. Uh, Josh, do you have any allegiances in, in NFL as far as an NFL team? Uh, I grew up a big Giants fan, but to be honest with you, I really haven't been in a while now, okay. so not really. So I didn't want to exclude you from this prediction, but uh, only one of the three teams between uh, the Packers, Lions, and Chiefs will make it out of this weekend. Only one. Only one. Hmm. You have a prediction which one you think it's going to be? Probably most likely the Lions, but didn't you guys struggle against the Buccaneers earlier this year? We beat them by 14 in Tampa. Oh, okay, gotcha. I was thinking about some other teams. So but they're, 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 they're the a lot better offense than what we played. We were also very injured in that game, but they're a lot better offense. Baker Mayfield playing the best football of his career, for sure. All right, Todd, your prediction? I agree with that analysis, Byron. I think the Lions are the most likely of the three to win. Uh, but I think um, my prediction is uh, Joe Biden is going to be president of the United States again. You know, wow. man, I thought we were going to see this in a few months, okay? Wow. I mean, it's January 19th, and it's like clockwork. The switch, it's like the Thanos snap, the switch has been flipped. Marist with a new poll, Joe Biden with a 38% approval rating in New Hampshire. 
And uh, uh, but he leads uh, Donald Trump by seven points in the state. Look at the polls. So now I'm I've only got a, I've only got ten dollars in credit left there in the poll jar. I thought I thought they'd at least give us to like Easter or something before they started before that switch got flipped. Man, they have flipped that switch and we're not even out of winter desolation yet. Not even out of winter desolation yet. Josh, your prediction. Go ahead. You know, Steve, this is my first time doing the show since being married, but it's also my first time doing the doing the show since Michigan won the national championship. So, you know, congratulations to you, my friend. You're oh, obviously a huge you. Mich- Michigan Wolverines fan. I, I was actually in Israel during that game, so I couldn't stay up and watch it. But that Rose Bowl was really fantastic. That's where I want to go with my prediction. So Nick Saban obviously has retired. My prediction is that. 50 years from now, people will still recount Nick Saban as the greatest college football coach of all time. I think if you look around at the other people who are possibly in discussion for that on any kind of objective apples to apples comparison, Mm -hmm. I I think that I I think that you have to say that Nick Saban has had the most dominant run of any coach in college football history. It didn't work out for him with the Miami Dolphins. His stint in the NFL was short lived. But man, I mean, at LSU and then this that dynasty at Alabama, I guess 15 years of just utter pure dominance. Amen. I think you're exactly right. I think we'll look at him 50 years from now the way we looked at Bear Bryant 50 years later. I agree with you. Uh, I think Trump's going to beat Haley well into double digits. And I had this prediction before the Haley scandal story broke today. So, Josh, good to see you, man. We appreciate you. We'll do it again soon. All right. Take care. God bless. Take care, guys. You bet. We'll come back and it'll be feedback Friday when we do. Stay tuned. are back here with our two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with aaron mcintyre totters and all of you and you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab follow me at steve day show on twitter getter instagram and Josh Hammer's beloved TikTok. (laughs) You can also uh, leave us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your preference. Uh, Thank you to those who have. We appreciate every single one. And hit subscribe, or if you're on iTunes, hit follow. That way, every time we do a new episode, it shows up in your feed every single time. Want to congratulate our colleague Sarah Gonzalez on her new show. Yeah, uh, that that's coming up here uh, weeknights uh, on uh, Blaze TV. Very excited to hear about that, and very well reserved, well deserved. I believe it'll be called unfiltered. And I wonder, Sarah wasn't very filtered was already. Say, yeah. So what what is unfiltered, Sarah Gonzalez? Do you think <laughs> what what does that look like? All right, so I'm here for it. Yes, uh, we all are. So we adore her and want to wish her congratulations on uh, her getting her own show and in prime time here on Blaze TV. Uh, you know, today is the March for Life, so what a great day to acknowledge our friends over at Preborn and to acknowledge all of you. Because last year, um, you helped to save over 58,000 babies at preborns clinics. So thank you to all of you whose donations made this possible. Let's celebrate those uh, precious babies. Um, you know, I, I, I think about Daisy and her husband. That's one of the stories we heard from preborn. Uh, they had decided they never wanted kids. And when Daisy found out she was pregnant, she immediately thought about getting an abortion. But, um, after she and her husband met their baby on that ultrasound that you guys paid for. 
They heard the heartbeat. Their hearts melted and they chose life. That baby's name is Jeffrey. He's healthy and beautiful. And now Daisy and her husband cannot even imagine life without him. Just one of the 58,000 plus success stories that you guys helped to make happen here uh, on The Blaze by supporting Preborn last year. Each of these babies, truly miraculous. And uh, every day, uh, Preborn celebrates up to 200 miracles. Just $28 even with Bidenflation, that's all an ultrasound cost that over the years has about 80% odds of saving a life. So let's join together. Let's help those mothers choose life. Just dial pound 250, say the keyword baby on your mobile phone, or even simpler, just go to preborn.com slash Steve, preborn.com slash Steve. Again, that's preborn.com slash Steve. All right, are we ready for some feedback Friday? Always. All right, I, I want to begin with, uh, with Nicholas in our audience. Just a little quick thing that Nicholas is asking, and I don't know the answer, and maybe one of you do. Nicholas lives in Woodruff, Wisconsin. Do you know where that is in your never, home state? Never heard of it, no. Okay. He lives in Woodruff, Wisconsin, and is really yearning to find a good Bible church in Woodruff, Wisconsin. So if you have a suggestion, and no, don't email me. Well, we're over an hour away. Let's kind of be realistic. All right, so if, if you live anywhere within the proximity or once did of Woodruff, Wisconsin, and know of a good church that Nicholas could get involved in and immersed in, uh, he's looking, and by all means, email it to me, steve at stevedace.com, and I will pass it on uh, to Nicholas here in my inbox. So. Well, I, I wanted to mention that right off the top. Being jump. that I have never heard of Woodruff, Wisconsin, he may have to go an hour away because <laughs> honestly, I've not, just haven't heard of it. All right, let's go next to Josh, who says our pediatric dentist in Tecumseh, Michigan, has kicked us out as clients because we have not vaxxed our boys. That's right, a dentist kicked us out for not vaxxing our boys, and now we've been kicked out of a children's doctor, so a pediatrician, and now the dentist as well because we haven't vaxxed our boys. Now, I, I chose this one, Todd, because I'm. you would have some experience with this, I'm guessing. Yeah. What, so how prevalent is this? Oh, very. Very. I mean, I don't ultimately uh, know... The conversation comes up in different ways. Sometimes it's somebody who's very aggressive. Uh, sometimes it's somebody who, you know, caves to um, uh, pressure, is making more of a business decision than it is flat, uh, flat out all in. I mean, there's a lot of people. There's the doctors who will um, entertain um, the non-vaxxed are also not often big on advertising it because they're happy to do it but if they become a cause celeb in this look at look at what happens the guns uh, come out so yeah this is not uncommon at all i i hope at the very least on the way out the door with both of these people you did what i did once when i had a conversation uh with a doctor who asked me if I wanted my booster and we got into the conversation briefly and he he was he was a guy who was like he wasn't very aggressive so he was kind of gentle and but he had something to say and I said no go ahead and say it he said well I gotta be honest if my kids were going to school with your kids I don't think I'd want them sitting next to them and I asked them but wait a second doc aren't your kids vaccinated this is a theme Steve's brought up as well yeah. like, you, yeah. I hope you at even, least even before the COVID stuff when I really didn't pay much attention to these issues mm-hmm. 
I, you know, like I didn't sit here and sweat it out, yeah. you know, every winter having a, you know, a guy uh, who doesn't believe in any vaccination sitting next to me because if the stuff I got worked, then why would it matter to me? See, here's the great thing about the magical power of vaccines. When the power is turned all the way up, they don't even believe in the power of the vaccines. This is how stupid all of this is. But that's why I have no good answers for you on how to fight back against this. Because you just were handed the, uh, your walking papers by cult masters. Not physicians, not healers, not doctors. First and foremost, they are cult members. They had nothing at all to fear from you. And they still did this. Jessica Jones writes, yesterday, Mark Houck, you guys remember that name, right? Yes, but from where? He's the one that uh, the pro-life activist that DOJ tried to put in prison. Right, sure. Yeah, all right. Yesterday, Mark Houck endorsed Trump for president. Yes, the guy who was raided by the (laughs) FBI with Trump's appointee at the head of it uh, for protesting at an abortion clinic is endorsing the guy who appointed that FBI director and said he wanted to build beautiful new buildings for the FBI. Make it make sense. I follow Hauk on Twitter because he's running against he's running in my district. I was so excited to vote for him and now I'm so disappointed. I would not make this a reason for you to be disappointed. But if you if you wanted to make it I, I chose this email not to condemn Mark Hauk. Him and his family have been through enough. But to to answer to point out that that Jessica you answered your own question. You don't realize it. You said he's running for office. I mean, the, the reality is the Republican Party is Donald Trump's party until further notice. And it'll be very difficult to operate within the structure of the Republican Party without acknowledging that. You can like it. You can not like it. I'm not here to say one way or the other. I'm just telling you I'm the weather forecaster. Donald Trump does not does it, it as, as the Don, as the godfather of the party, it is, and I'm using that analogy on purpose, the, the, it is not an issue-based coalition. And neither, neither is, you know, the relationship between, uh, that you see, you know, within a, a structure like what a godfather runs. Um, it's a relationship-based system. It's a loyalty-based system. And so you can... You can be Elise Stefanik, who is openly pro-choice and was the only member of Republican of the Republican leadership that voted to give the rainbow jihad whatever it wanted. But you are you are a made woman. You are in good standing because you are loyal to the Don. All right. Elise Stefanik and Mark Houck have nothing in common. I mean, literally nothing. They, they have nothing in common at all. Except one thing, they they if they if they want to maintain a position of prominence politically or in the case of Mr. Houck, attempt one. This is the price that must be paid. That's just the reality of the situation. The the, the Republican Party has made it very clear and its voters have made it very clear that they want this. They, they want to be a Trump based party. They want to have to give Trump control of their party. And so, you know, you don't you have two choices. You can choose not to operate within it. I don't begrudge anybody that does that. You know, uh, I've never been like get out the vote guy. You know, I was pro DeSantis, but I didn't sit here and lecture people for six months that they had to vote for Ron like me. I, I, that's not my job. It's candidates. It's their jobs to get you to vote for them. It's their jobs to get you to not behind them. Not mine. I'm a biblical worldview guy. I'll tell you what I think based on a biblical worldview and advocate for that. But then ultimately you make your own decision. So you can choose to say, I don't want to operate within that structure. And that's OK. 
But given the fact we have very limited agency in this country, very limited places to gain any form of representation whatsoever, most people are going to choose to go ahead and operate within that system. And if they are, it's going to be very difficult to operate within it at least for the foreseeable future. How long is the foreseeable future? Is it 290 more days until this election? Or is it, you know, another five years provided Trump wins? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I just know that what the paradigm is today is you cannot operate um, within the Republican Party officially on an effective level um, without kissing the ring of the dawn. That's just the reality. You can like it. You can not like it. You can cheer it. You can boo it. You know, um, I didn't like I don't like the fact I had to call snow removal at my house and my mother-in-law's three times in the last two weeks. Didn't like it, you know, but I chose to live in Iowa and we have I, last I checked winter. We have every year, right? We have winter every year. We do. Yeah. So that's kind of the sunk cost of living here, right? That that may yes. happen. So <clears throat> and then ultimately, since I choose to live in Iowa, Whose responsibility is that? That would be you. That would be mine. Can I do anything about the amount of times it snows or how heavy it snows? No. So I have a choice. I can choose not to live in Iowa and where I don't have to call snow removal, go to a place where I don't. Or since I've chosen to live in Iowa, I'm going to need snow removal, correct? Yes. That's the analogy I'm working with here? Yes. And then you all can determine for yourself how you want to operate within that framework or don't if you don't want to. God bless you if you don't. You know, our theme this year is dominion. There's other ways you can have an impact, you know, without uh, being completely vested within the Republican Party. You can do so locally, do so in your church, in your family, you know. <clears throat> but if you want to be, uh, you know, if you want on a broader basis to hold elected office and or be relevant in that office, you're simply just not going to be able to do that on some level without having at some point in time been supportive of Donald J. Trump. That's just the reality of it. Well, he didn't have to endorse anybody. You just don't... Well, if, if you're why worried... For, of, why for, for the trap of just just don't endorse well, you're, you anyone? Get, you get worried Trump will endorse against your prim, endorse your primary candidate, then you're toast. Well, then you're, it, you're just done the next day. Okay. I, listen, I... This is going back to Iowa evangelical the whole thing. Like, and whatever the Catholic statistics show, they, I just happen to know we know those. Uh, we there's all kinds of people. Can we do this? I don't like, want to argue about Donald Trump for another seven months, man. I, I don't. don't. If I, don't, I really I just don't. Then, but in the context of this letter, like, you we can't talk about things seriously about revival or bust if we keep acting like this. You can't say it and then do things like this and have me believe you. We have way too many people who think that's exactly the best option we have on the table. And then they keep doing things that make me believe they don't actually believe it or they're not going to do their part. You don't have to do this. Craig in Traverse City says, a cool feature to add on the show. I didn't do this on purpose. It was literally the next a cool feature to add to the show might be an occasional segment on smoking tips from Aaron. Not, you know, with lung darts. He means with like, you know, meat. Uh, his favorite recipes with some actual tasting on air. I got a smoker for Christmas and I want to have some fun with it. <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> oh Why haven't you done this on your podcast, Aaron? Is it? Maybe Craig you have. And, Craig and Traverse City. You know, we could do... Who were the two guys... They used to do the Willet stuff. 
Who am I thinking oh, of? My kids uh, love them. And yeah, then will they, it blend? Yeah, then they went like full woke and atheist. They oh, claimed oh, to be oh, Christians. Oh. <clears throat> and then like went full rainbow yeah, jihad, jihad um, uh, uh, atheist. Oh, oh, or deconstructionist. Rhett, that's what they were. Rhett and Link. Rhett and Link. That's right. They they had deconstructed their faith. That's what it was. Yeah, right? They were like crew staffers. Campus crusade for Christ staffers or wow. something like that. Wow. I didn't know they point. were that vested in it. Okay. Can we do I this? So. Now that I'm curious. All right. All right. So, but what about like a will it smoke? You know, could you put that in your smoker, Aaron? And then what it would taste like? Yeah, we could do that. Um, I I will say there's one thing that I know I'm good at when it comes to smoking. And those are pork butts. It's a pretty cheap cut of meat. uh, And there's a lot of meat. And it tastes really good because there's a ton of sinew in there that if you allow it to just smoke and just sit in the smoker for 12, 14, 16 hours, it melts. And it uh, uh, flavors up the rest of the meat and tenderizes the rest of the meat and makes it nice and juicy. What I typically do, do you want me to do this now? Sure. Okay. This I mean, is I my read fav- the email. It's the perfect time. Yeah. This is, the, this is the, my favorite recipe. Uh, and you can, do, you can do whatever rub you want. But um, uh, the night before I smoke it, cut off all of the excess fat, of course. Uh, I coat it then in mustard, just yellow mustard. Hmm. Get a brush, coat it in yellow mustard, a lot of mustard. Uh, kind of the acid in the mustard will kind of break through the top layer of of, uh, of meat there. That's my theory anyway. And then you put as much... Eh, don't go overboard with, with the, the, the rub. Get whatever rub you uh, like, whatever you want to use. I use a lot from Meat Church. I'll kind of mix in uh, the extra spicy rub a little bit uh, with uh, kind of regular rub. There's some local um, places around here that I get uh, kind of my base rub from. You know, get it on there. Make sure it's everything, every nook and cranny and crevice and uh, opening. Make sure there's rub every everywhere, everywhere. You don't want to coat it on by like a millimeter or centimeter, but make sure there's rub everywhere. You don't want to see any of the yellow mustard poking through. That's kind of my goal. Uh, wrap it up in uh, plastic wrap, set it in the uh, refrigerator overnight. The next morning by 8 o'clock or so, uh, get your smoker going. Take the uh, pork butt out of the refrigerator, uh, get it out of the plastic wrap, let it set for a half an hour, 45 minutes, place it on the smoker, and then it'll take 12, 14, 16 hours. Usually by the time the sun goes down, if it's not done yet, internal temp of 195. Uh, if it's not done yet by then, I'll finish it in the uh, in the oven. But make sure the internal temp gets to 195. And then really crucially, after it gets to its internal temp of 195, let it set for at least an hour before you break it up and pull it apart. The best pork butt I think I ever did was actually the first one that I did. And the sign that you've done a good pork butt is when you go to break it up, it just falls apart by itself. It just completely disintegrates by itself. That's the sign of a really, really, really good, well done pork butt. There you go. Will it Not smoke? well done as in like uh, dry, but just you did it well. I'm glad we did this because I was going to have to go through this live on the air in real time. And you gave me the time to, to accumulate this information. You so bet. It's seamless. Not to mention the Craig and Traverse City asked for it. So we wanted to give Craig what he wanted. Out of curiosity, I went and looked. So Rhett and Link are still going strong, All right? There, there's, there, but, but, they're still going strong in terms of producing content. But I, I just went and looked. It was four years ago. It was the winter of 2020, 
almost exactly four years ago that they announced they were leaving Christianity uh, and embracing agnosticism and deconstructing their faith. Okay. Guys, I have to tell you the traffic they are generating on YouTube since they did this has imploded. I mean, it has absolutely plummeted. And, and of course, the suspicion is when you do this that there's worldly gain for this, right? They started getting on with Jimmy Kimmel. I remember seeing him on, doing a couple of bits with him, all right? Their traffic on their videos, if you go to their site and look at what they were getting 7, 8, 9, 10, 12 years ago compared to the traffic they have generated the last few years, I'm talking it is substantial. Like videos into the millions that are now... In, a, in the couple hundred thousands. I mean, they, they've, they've not benefited. And let, you know, maybe they got bought off somewhere along the line. I don't know. But in terms of their YouTube channel, which was the basis of their entire branding, um, their traffic has, I mean, it's, it's plummeted, guys. I mean, it's, it's nowhere near where it used to be. They're not posting as frequently as they used to, but I mean, it's, it's nowhere near where it used to be. Thoughts. I don't even know who these guys are at all, but I think the same applies to what we just got done talking. See, that Donald Trump, you, you can look at it from two different sides. You can, you can endorse him and say, that's just the game that has to be played. Or you look at it from the other side is like you play that game and we keep losing elections. You have a decision to make, Mr. Hauk. Guess you made it. Well, it's the if you look at results, it's very hard to win a Republican primary without Trump's support. If you look at results, very hard to win a general election with Trump's support. You that, don't, those are just you know, the results of the last few cycles, and they speak for themselves. You don't have to. You don't have to hate them. You don't have to go against them. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You can say at the end of the day, "I'm going to vote for him." But like the, you, don't be bullied into some rule where you have to endorse and be fine losing. Set your smoker at two twenty five. I forgot <laughs> yes. to say that it's two twenty five. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. It's great. It's a crucial piece of information it that is I a left crucial. out. It absolutely is. As is this. Uh, I finally remember Todd to get you hooked up with our friends at Patriot Mobile yesterday. <laughs> I want for that should be like the role for the whole year if we start just too much into Trump. Yeah, obsessed like Aaron just yep. breaks in with a smoking tip like yep. randomly. Yep. Listen, man, I, I, I spoke my piece. I, I did what I could. The process played itself out. I respect the will of the people, and you know, good luck to you. I hope you guys are right. Because we need to win. So 290 days from now, I hope you guys all get to email me and say, Steve, Steve, we told you so. That's where I'm at. So for 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, I mean only. All right. Uh, and that's why we've been huge supporters of Patriot Mobile on the show. Uh, we have been proud to partner with them with their dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to, but without directly funding your enemies. We made the switch. Our family did to Patriot Mobile a couple of years ago during COVID when T-Mobile sent out an SMS alert. Hey, we're going to start uh, censoring texts uh, for misinformation. And I literally called our contact at Patreon Mobile the next day and said, all right, we've put this off long enough. Let's make the switch. 
And then I kind of dreaded what was going to happen, you know, with all the moving parts in our family. They did a phenomenal job. That's why I have no problem recommending them to you, recommending them to Todd. Uh, I hooked them up uh, yesterday. So go to PatriotMobile.com and find out for yourself how outstanding their 100% U.S.-based customer service team is. PatriotMobile.com, if you're a veteran or first responder, uh, let them know when you go to make the switch. They have extra ways to say thank you for your service. For the rest of us, use the offer code Steve to get a free activation when you go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call 972 Patriot. That's 972 Patriot. Uh, let's go back to Feedback Friday. This is Steve. He says, I know the events your team covers can be frustrating at times, so I thought I'd share a short story with you. I started listening to your show a few years ago when I just let the Blaze TV feed continue running rather than swapping over uh, to Steven Crowder when he was on the Blaze. It took a few shows for you guys to grow on me. We hear that a lot. You know what we've never heard? I liked we, you guys right away. No, that, I don't, I've never gotten that. Like it never, it's never happened. Yes, it is. I mean, literally, it is absolutely. Yeah, it, it has never happened. Sense when the okay. tagline, the honest tagline for this show is "screw you" and thanks for listening. Yes, it, no one has ever said, "Man, it was love at first sight." All right, no, uh, or fight first bite. B Y T E. No, no. I, I, it's either my goodness, this is I can't stand you, or you are an acquired taste. Indeed. What was the old thing Jim Rome used to say back in the day? Uh, listen to it for a week. And if and if you don't like it, just keep listening to it anyway. <laughs> That's what he used to say back in the day. All right. So uh, Steve writes, uh, it took a few shows for you guys to grow on me, but your passion for God and discussion of current events resonated. I've been away from church and the word for many years because I thought my anger and rage, as well controlled as it was, had broken me in a way that was beyond saving. Uh, then I heard you talk about Elijah in Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal being slaughtered. And that was a story I'd never heard. And I knew that whatever it was that prompted Elijah to do that was what I needed. I'd already started attending church regularly. So the next Sunday I started reading the Bible, starting with Kings, where that story is located. Since then, my, my child has been baptized. My wife was confirmed and baptized. I've continued reading the scriptures, prayed for God to take away my anger and rage. And he did. Prayed for him to help me quit looking at porn. God delivered again, uh, attended Bible study regularly, and it's been that way now for about two years. The changes have been miraculous. I'm now an elder at the church at the elderly age of 38. I've even thought about attending seminary. Signed, Steve, just a guy that was too lazy to change channels on the blaze and inadvertently turned back to God. Perfect. Perfect. We needed that. after yeah. all. See, that's what I mean. You don't have to do it that way. In any other walk of life, you don't have to compromise the thank you the way you think you do. If this is really what you want, if it's not what you want, I understand why you compromise on everything. But this is really what you want. That then stop telling yourself lies in other walks of life. That's it right there. That's the truth. And the miracles come when you accept that. Yeah, and that was really really encouraging, man. The the only thing I would say, <clears throat> maybe don't go to seminary. Maybe, maybe don't go to seminary. There is a direct correlation with limited exception on the seminary issues. There does tend to be a direct correlation between the amount of time you spend in seminary and how much you come, how much you still end up believing the Bible. There, yep. There's a few seminaries where there's always a remnant, you know, there's a few seminaries where that's not the case, but by and large, collectively, the more time you spend in a seminary these days, the the less likely you are to believe the Bible when you come out. And basically that anything that you can yeah, that's learn very bad. in seminary, yeah. you yeah. can learn online already. You can learn in, uh, in resources that are available to, to you already. 
Now, if you are hooked into a denomination that has like its own seminary feeder system and stuff like that, you know, and since you're already at their church, you know, they're into the word and they're, and they're on the narrow road. Okay. That's totally different, you know, totally different, but just do your homework. Like I give you, like, you know, my wife has a seminary degree. That was the first step to getting her biblical counseling, uh, biblical and, and you know, her therapist stuff. So uh, I'll tell you what, ther- what seminary she went to. Luther Rice in Atlanta, Georgia is where my wife has a seminary degree. And I went through all of her theology classes and stuff with her, you know, um, and everything was very orthodox, very premillennial, very premill dispensational, but that's pretty standard for much of American evangelicalism these days, but also very biblical, you know, so just be selective on the seminary that you choose. Be selective. Um, where do I want to go next? Cause we are short on time. Uh, Eddie says, The day I became a believer in Christ, I dropped to my knees before bed, asked God to give me guidance in doing his will. After that, I threw on Hulu and I saw an ad for a a Christian dating app. I never saw that ad before that night and I've never seen it after. Fast forward to today, I just bought a ring and I will be proposing to a dime that I met on that app. The Lord works in mysterious ways. He took me from being a wannabe playboy that only cared about myself to proposing to a girl that has grown up in a godly family. Oh, the hits just keep on coming now. Yeah. See? There's a different way. There is a different it's way. It's just up to you. To- the, the, the broader point that Todd is making is something we have made on this show many times. It is not so much about the final decision you make. I mean, there are some, there, there is no good process for, you know, I'm going to become a pedophile. Not a good process to come no. to that conclusion, right? Okay. So there are clear, clear, there are clear conclusions that you can draw that no matter how good your thinking process was, that's bad. All right. Pretty yes. obvious. Okay. Yes. But, but barring those extreme examples, most of the time in life, it's not about the decision you made but why you made it and the process you took to get there. Go back to who Josh Hammer was just talking about last hour, Nick Saban, right? What did he call his methodology? You guys know what he called it? The process. That's what he called it, the process. Yeah, yeah, sure. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll pump sunshine in you. We might, we'll take care of your mama, you know, when we're recruiting you, you bet. But once you get here, the process is on. All right. And you're not a star. You're just one of many. And we will break you down to build you back up. And if you can't hack it, go somewhere else and lose a lot more games and you'll lose here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for all the, you know, yeah, you know, we'll take care of your mama, make sure you got a house and all that other stuff Nick Saban did for years. Once you stepped into the football building, you were a plebe. You were going to learn how to suffer. How to and how to overcome. You're going to learn to overcome adversity. That's how it's frankly kind of almost it's, it's almost harder to get that many five star recruits to play together that many years in a row than it is to be a Wisconsin or Iowa kind of program where you're developmental and you got plucky kids that, you know, have a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> to get that many star players every single year to set egos aside and play together requires a process. You know, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the thing that Todd is saying is it's it's not so much, you know, well, I, it, well, I got to endorse Trump. Well, I mean, maybe you do. But what was the process you took by which you made that selection other than just knee jerk reactionaryism, time to grovel? And that's true of literally any walk of life. What what is the process by which you made that decision more so than the decision itself?
Aaron, did you and Bella take anything when you guys had this really bad that helped at all? Um, we do baths, Epsom salt baths to try to detox. I really didn't take anything other than NyQuil one night so I could just sleep. Okay. She ended up, as I said, having to take some antibiotics okay. for uh, some infections that kind of developed as a result. But, you know, we just try to do this as naturally as possible. Okay. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Miracle May. Did you know your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I recommend highly you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. These guys came on board last year right in the middle of the worst summer heat we've had in a long time here in the Midwest. And I was blown away. You know, I... We have lived in the same home for 17 years. This summer was the first time I did not run the ceiling fan at night in order to augment the central air in order to to get a good night's sleep. Didn't have to do it with these sheets. Well, Steve, okay, great. That was great for the summertime. What about now? Well, the NASA-inspired silver-infused fabric that makes temperature-regulating bedding possible so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. They're killing it right now. We've got that record cold, not quite as record cold, but that terrible cold just came back to Iowa again. Man, I slept like a rock last night. Um, these are fantastic. And they're. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, I can get temperature regulating from like aluminum foil. Wouldn't be comfortable. Got it. They're very comfy. Highly recommend. I love these sheets. All right. Self-cooling, self-heating, self-temperature regulating properties for a better quality of sleep. By the way, that same silver, by the way, prevents about 99% of bacterial growths on your sheets as well, right? So um, go to TryMiracle.com slash Dace to try these sheets today. Whether you're buying them for yourself or for a loved one, you can order today at TryMiracle.com slash Dace and save over 40%. And if you use our promo code Dace at checkout, you can save an extra 20% and get three free towels. You're going to love these. I promise. Upgrade your sleep now with Miracle Made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash Dace. That's TryMiracle.com slash Dace. Use the code Dace, the code Dace at TryMiracle.com slash Dace. All right, back to Feedback Friday. Let's go here. My name is Thomas Hill. I'm a 19-year-old college freshman at Liberty University where my wife is an alum. That's where she got her master, so congrats. Uh, I have listened to you on and off uh, since you were on Blaze TV, by the way. After I just said what I just said about never in my career has someone ever sent me a note of feedback. Love this show from the first moment I heard it. My inbox now is going to getting bombarded. I wasn't this, that wasn't the broadcaster equivalent of tell me I'm pretty or do these uh, this do these jeans make my butt look big? All right, it wasn't. I was just making an observation. Well, now we are getting absolutely bombed. Okay, with people love this show from the first minute I heard it. First time I heard the show. So. Thank you. It wasn't a fish for a compliment, but I am not too shameless to accept them anyway, for goodness sakes. So thank you. All right. Anyway, Thomas says, uh, I first heard about you on uh, Blaze TV's 2020 election night special, and I've started listening uh, daily to you and Ali Stuckey ever since. Since then, I've really been blessed by your show and, uh, and, and it's focused on a biblical worldview. I'm writing to you in response to your shows on December 19th and December 20th. So these were like our end of the year shows. On December 19th, you talked about it as time for men to step up and take action. You said the same thing, that some things are simply evil and we have a duty to respond. 
I am a dedicated pro-life activist and have recently been learning about the history of pro-life rescues and sit-ins. Ironically, the revival of rescue has been let not by Christians, but by pro-life progressive activists and a few elderly holdovers from the rescue movement of the 70s and 80s and early 90s, nine of whom are now in prison for violating the FACE Act. Do you believe that it is time to bring this movement back? I have felt convicted that as Christians, we have a responsibility to seek justice and defend the vulnerable and believe that we need to take direct action against the mass genocide of abortion. Am I correct on this? Should we begin um, to start extending our counseling uh, of where we talk to women and bring back the sit-ins and the blockades of abortion facilities? I hope to participate in a rescue this next year. I want to try and activate Christian students at Liberty to revive the rescue movement. Can we as Christians do this in good conscience, even though it is against the law, the man-made law? And is this the right time? Again, that is from Thomas Hill. Um, years ago, I was listening to a uh, John Piper podcast. And uh, he talked about being a part of the, uh, the original Operation Rescue movement in the 80s. And, and John Piper made a very fascinating point. That, that stuck with me. And he said that his greatest regret as a pro-life activist is that it seemed right when they were making headway by participating in these kinds of sit-ins, um, the spirit of the age started making it criminal. Pastors started going to jail for this and they weren't willing to go to jail for it and stop doing it. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I must have listened to this pod. This podcast has to be like at least 10 years old. So we're well before the overturning of Roe. In fact, we're we're in a period of time where the idea of overturning Roe is still not even on the radar. All right. I'm, I'm not here to tell other people when or when not to engage in something that that puts you in legal jeopardy, particularly with the current people in charge of the legal process that are, that are trying to end you, your ability to have a job, to be a functioning member of society. Okay. Uh, we were just talking about Mark Houck and what was done to him, or they tried to anyway. I will though say this. I think everybody has to do that according, they have to follow the dictates of their own conscience where that is concerned. And and let the Holy Spirit guide them in threading the needle between between being aggressive to maybe radical without succumbing to the spirit of the age and being disqualified for the prize by behaving in a way that brings ill repute on your Lord. Fair? Is that fair so far? Yeah. Okay. But I will say this historically. It has been when we have been willing to do this as believers, these kinds of things, at the risk of societal retribution, that we have often been the most successful when it comes to positive societal change. Whether that is the, the, 
the monk Telemachus going to the floor of the of of the Roman Colosseum and essentially trying to stop them from engaging anymore in the savagery of the gladiator games. And he lost his life for that on Monday. You know, um, we had a couple different things happen on Monday. We had an Iowa caucus. And of course that's where our focus was on Monday, right? Monday was also president's day, right? What else was Monday? MLK day. Yeah. Wait, it was both on the same day. Yeah. I thought it was, wasn't it? Isn't President's Day in February? No, no, President's Day is in February. My bad. Yeah. You're right. Thank you. So we had, so it was Caucus Day and MLK Day was on Monday. Thank you. This is what this is what. Starting with Ebenezer Baptist, this is what MLK did. You're kind of you're, which you're, you know, this kind of nonviolent, civil disobedient, peaceful protest. So. Not my place when and where to tell people to risk having essentially their lives ruined and not just their own, but their loved ones, given the environment we are in today. But I will say historically, it has been when we are willing to risk those things that we have been the, our greatest agents for change. And not when we have settled on, I guess that's just the corrupt system we have and we have to work within it and I'll do my best to make it work. That, that's not when we've done our best. In fact, I, I can't actually think of too many great things we've done as a church, collectively, the church, when we've done that. We've been far more likely to do great things for the kingdom when we haven't tried to pour new wine into old wineskins. But... There's a, there is a time and a place for that, for sure. And everybody has to follow the dictates of their own conscience where that is concerned. I want to go to this one here next that just came into my inbox because I want to address it if you guys don't mind. Um, where is it? M. Matt writes, uh, Ted Cruz endorsed Trump to win re-election. I love how you avoid this. Wow. Well, we're not avoiding it, number one. So, because we just read your email. But I wanted to bring this up to say this. Ted actually called me on Tuesday. To give me a... He didn't have to do that. doesn't owe that to me at all. But he wanted to give me a heads up that this was coming and why. And that essentially, hey man, I wanted to, you know... A lot of people that I am friends with that worked with me and for me were working with the governor and... I've been under immense pressure from uh, from Trump and his team to endorse. I wanted to give you guys all the runway I could to see how the process played itself out. Well, you had a pretty definitive verdict. But I didn't want to blindside you, so I'm calling you and a few others so that you guys know what's going on. Just what I'm thinking, man to man. Got the same note from Josh Hammer this morning. Yep, We booked Josh to come on before he wrote the piece for Newsweek about why he thought it was time now to unite behind Trump. Again, Josh doesn't have to do that. Yeah, we're buds, but he doesn't owe that to me. He doesn't have to give me a heads up on what he's writing, but it was very respectful that he did. This actually goes to what we were just saying at the end of the last episode or last uh, segment. What is the process by which you have made the decisions that you have made? As opposed to what is the decision that you did make? 
I'm far more interested in that. Far more interested. So I got that note, and I thought it was a good opportunity to mention uh, what Ted did. So, Matt, we did mention it. So, wow, the other way. Um, what's next? Heather writes, just to give you a little understanding of my background, when I was younger, my mother used to drag me to church like many Gen Xers. I was, it wasn't until my father passed away uh, that I did turn back to God. I wanted to be a good servant of the Lord. So I started reading the Bible. When I came upon the passage of Dave uh, passages about David, I was happy that I found someone I was familiar with. It was not until I started reading deeper into his life that he seemed to be a womanizer, stealing other men's wives, as well as building a harem. I always thought that marriage was between a man and a woman. I have to be honest. I almost threw my Bible out the window. I know we are all sinners, but even to this day, I cringe when his name is brought up. Please help me understand him. Thank you for all you do. And I'm grateful I found you guys in these troubling times. Heather, you answered your own question. We're all sinners. You know, when you hear people say, well, God works through problematic people. Why is that the case? There are only problematic people. By the way, though, if you read those passages, David suffers greatly for his sinfulness. When he, I mean, he has a civil war with his son Absalom. I mean, he had the the, the child that he sired out of the adulterous affair with Bathsheba is stillborn. I mean, David suffers greatly. God, God, these things that he does do not go unpunished. So David plays a prominent role, a a foundational role in the establishment of the Jewish kingdom, God's covenant people, and in the cementing of the Messianic line. But when he sins, he suffers. And even worse, when he sins as king, almost everyone does because they're under his stewardship. God punished his sinfulness. So keep that keep that in mind. There's lots of polygamy in the Bible because there were a lot there was lots of polygamy at the time the Bible was written. Everybody who practices it was suffers. Abraham practices it. That's how we got Islam. Ishmael. Everybody suffers when they do this. Every time someone goes outside of the marriage covenant, one man and one woman, they suffer. Every single time. Every time. So Uh, does God use troubled, broken people to advance his larger narrative? Yes. But he's not like us. He's He's both imminent and transcendent. So while he is using those troubled people to advance his larger narrative, when they, when, when their brokenness is on display and they act out on it again, they suffer for it. He holds them accountable at the exact same time. Don't lose sight of that. And it's very emblematic, by the way, of the of of the larger truth that what gets the final word, God's grace or God's justice? Yes. Heaven is. Is is the symbol that God's grace gets the last word to those who humble themselves. Hell is the symbol that God's justice gets the last word for those who do not. Well, Steve, the Bible goes even further where David is concerned and says he's a man after God's own heart. Why? Did understand, you know, take that, 
for what it really says. Does the Bible say that David was a well-behaved man? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? No. No. Does it say that, that David kept God's moral law better than anybody else? Is that what it says? No. No. It said that David was a man after God's own heart. So therefore, what does that mean? It means that David understood, despite his brokenness, he understood the order of things. God is God and I am not. That if we are humble, if we humble our hearts and understand our place in the grand scheme of things, despite all of that brokenness, God can use us and do uh, use us for amazing things and do amazing things through us. But make no mistake, what you're noticing, Heather, God is the hero of the Bible. Not Moses, not David, not Peter, not Paul, God. God is the hero. It's his story. Capital H-I-S. He's the hero. We name our kids David because it would be real sanctimonious and pretentious to just go around naming our kids Yahweh all the time, right? Or Jesus. It'd be pretty... Yeah, so... So we name our kids David and Samson instead. That's another guy, very problematic, by the way. Even David's like, dude, slow it down. Okay, so God's the hero of the story, not David. You've you've noticed the right things, but I would urge your reaction to be, wow. How great and merciful of a God is God that he is willing to work and exalt such awful people, broken people. And then maybe that should give you the humility to think, you know, maybe God, despite my brokenness, can actually work through me. Amen. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Stay warm if you live where, where I do. Good luck with that. Until Monday, Romans 828.